0: everybody, to another episode of Putting Points on the Board. I'm your host for the evening, Big John, here with his trusty sidekick. I'm not going to make a joke at his expense. I'm not going to make a joke at his expense. Okay, it's Speedy Gonzalez with you. No, I'm just andere, kidding. Andre, Andre. I'm just kidding. Send hate mail my way. That's okay. Uh, no, of course, I am talking about the co host of the show, fantasy pioneer and legend. Mr. William Del Pilar,
1: Thank you there, Mr. Big John. And Andale, Andale, because we've got an exciting show tonight.
0: I think we do. And we've got chock full of breaking news uh, that we're going to talk about in the episode. Among them, the end of the MLB lockout. Probably, right? Um, And also, there's been a big trade in the NFL. William and I are going to touch on some... um, some perhaps some uh, humor and some other uh, pop culture topics, but for right now, we're very excited to have someone uh, as a guest who I've known for maybe 20 years. Uh, he's one of the original writers of SportsGrumblings.com, currently at Baseball Prospectus, uh, a good friend of ours, and I'm going to bring him right on because I want him to um, be able to to uh, to. Uh, to join us and talk about the end of the lockout and, and what was at play there, who's the winner, who's the loser there. So let's bring on uh, Mr. Uh, Tim McCullough. Tim. Andale, Tim. Andale.
2: Good evening, my friends. How are you?
0: There you go. There's Mr. Tim McCullough. And first of all, Tim, uh, uh, we were talking off camera for a second. Let me just say something. You look marvelous darling
2: thank you very much i appreciate that very much
0: (laughs) i
1: like the man cave look there with uh with the hangings and the posters and the the memorabilia looks like
2: yeah i kind of got the the music and baseball thing going on back there
0: right now you know the william see uh you didn't know tim back in the day but let me tell you something uh tim has done an amazing job tim give yourself a pat on the back you you've dropped dropped a ton of weight haven't you
2: 123 pounds
0: 123 pounds wow. William wow. I see I thought I was nope. doing well but 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 Tim has has outclassed me as he usually does and uh by dropping that much weight he, he looks fantastic I'm so happy for him uh I'm glad he's looking good so Tim uh Tim, you look spectacular
1: I mean John <laughs> dropped 70 pounds I heard but I think it was all in his head
0: yeah most. Of the <laughs> air, it's mostly he the does look good she, though He <laughs> no, do the look good John Oh, thanks, Tim. Um, But, uh, okay, we're done patting each other's back. Let's talk baseball right now. Tim, um, for those that don't know, Tim is a baseball expert, recognized as such. As a matter of fact, for the three-year period of 2017 to 2019, he was the top-ranked baseball ranker. I've said ranked twice, but he was the top of the the game, folks, uh, as rated by Fantasy Pros. And if you've never been to fantasypros.com, they kind of collect all the expert opinions And let you know which experts are really experts. It's not hype. They actually track the projections and see who come in on time for a three year period, over a three year period. Number one, Mr. Tim McCullough, something to be proud of. And of course, he works over at Baseball Prospectus, uh, one of the top sites for uh, baseball ranking and and analysis. So uh, we're really fortunate to have him on board. And Tim, let's go right into it. Uh, What was this lockout about? It's not a strike. It's not a strike, right? Let's be clear. It was a lockout. It was
2: definitely a lockout. The owners could have ended it at any time. Uh, This was about the owners maintaining what they had.
0: Mm. They were
2: not, they were not willing to give up any of the gains that they've made over the last, I don't know, three or four collective bargaining agreements. You know, the players, um, I, 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 I'm firmly on the player's side here. There's no question about that, but they didn't do this right. They should have started their, their campaign for what they wanted, what they wanted to negotiate. They should have started a year or two ago mm. uh, and, and started working on it back then. Instead, they waited until the owners locked out <laughs> and then decided that they wanted to fight for, you know, Uh, A quicker year to uh, to free agency or more money for the young players or um, more cap space up at the top so that the uh, the top players can get paid more. I mean, they, they waited until the 11th hour to do that. And then by then the owners had all the power.
1: Tim, real quick, uh, explain to the audience what a lockout is versus a strike, because we are politics and sports, and some of our listeners may not quite, uh, may get it mixed up.
2: Okay, well, uh, a strike is generally the side of labor, so it's the laborers who go out. They refuse to work. Uh, a lockout, it's the owners, it's the team owners who lock the players out and don't allow them to come to work, Um you know the difference is. I mean, I mean, I suppose you could say that the that the laborers could go back to work, but they wouldn't unless they got what they wanted. Uh, and I guess that's the case here with the owners. Now they finally got what they wanted. Uh, they wanted the players to cave, and essentially the players did. They they caved on most of the stuff that they wanted, uh, and it came to the point where uh, they wanted to get back to work.
0: So, Tim, from your perspective. Uh, just, I know you you know, you're, you're a baseball guy, you're, you've got your uh, thumb on the pulse. Did you get the sense that baseball fans were misdirecting any anger they may had? So were they, do you think perhaps uh, directing anger more at players or equally at players and owners or how, what was your read on that? How, how is the fan, how are the fans reacting? Who did they actually hold accountable for whether it was a lockout or a strike Uh, the lack the 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 specter of no baseball in 2022
2: I think actually um, well I mean traditionally uh, the fans have fallen on the side of the owners Mm.
0: you know
2: they call it the billionaires versus the millionaires and you know uh, the millionaires are a bunch of whiny guys who get to play baseball right and and make a ton of money Um, but I think this time around I I wouldn't say that they fell on the side of the owners, but I think it was much more balanced. I think had a lot more people who recognized that the players were getting screwed here, uh, and that it was the owners that were doing the screwing. Um, But I still don't see it falling totally towards the players' side. It it just has not gone that way. I I would say it was a little bit more balanced this time.
1: You know, Tim, uh, uh, not to push back, because this is your domain, and I'm coming at it more from a fan. We did baseball at KFFL more. It was more, for me, my passion was football. So I kind of kept my hand out, brought in the people like yourselves who knew it, but I always got the impression going back to the nineties that the fans were always behind the players. Uh, uh, I never, I mean, uh, I guess uh, that's how I always felt, but maybe because in a way I kind of sided with the owner slightly, Uh, but I know this go round because I, John will tell you, I track the media and my opinions have really changed. Yeah. It was pretty much nine to one in terms of the not talking about the fans, but the articles were on the side of the players. So it was about a nine to one in terms of what I read.
2: And I'm not uh, I think sure in the way. media, I think you're yeah. right. I think the media got it right this time for a change. You know, in the past, uh, the owners have really locked up the media for themselves. And, you know, they do a great job, of, they actually do a really good job of planting the stories where they need to plant them and getting the guys that generally write in their favor to write in their favor. This time around there were a lot more journalists who were willing to speak out on a player's behalf. So now I would say I would say the media got it right.
1: Now uh, you said for a the change. players were a little too slow in moving with their demands. Why is that?
2: Well, I, well they need they needed to get out in front of this. And I think part of that is getting both the media and the fans on their side. They needed to make it clear that it was the owners who were gonna drive this, this lockout and they were, were gonna control the narrative. And I
0: think they needed to get
2: out in front of it. Uh, and would and,
0: you have would you have said that maybe from it's just from a pure negotiating position, maybe they could should have called the uh, um, a strike right before, say, the playoffs started, or something, or do you feel that would have been too uh, too cutthroat? I think then they would have
2: had fans against them.
0: Yeah, exactly. They're, but they, they it would but have it their would their strengthened throats. their it would have strengthened their position, though, right? No. it would have. But I
2: think they I think that there were ways that they could have strengthened their position without going on strike. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, just by doing what the owners do so well: plant those stories in the media, get people talking about the. Um, get get people talking about the players' side. Right. I mean, look look what happened with minor league players over this past year. You know, finally now, finally after all these years, the owners uh, are going to pay for housing for minor league players. Right, uh, and that's because the it was reported in the media, and that's where it got started. and And I think you know, if the players are going to win this thing or win anything back, they need to start well ahead of the actual. Talks.
0: But but it is it is um a a a very delicate balance, right? Because most fans will, like as you said in the past, uh, for example, would say, well, what are these what are these millionaires complaining about, right? right. So they're they want to raise the league minimum uh to to something that's 10 times the average American salary, you know, for sitting on the bench playing a game. So I think that's always that fine balance. It, it, You've said they should have gotten out ahead of it. What specifically do you think should have been the narrative that the players put out there uh, to really drive home the point of why they felt the owners were being unfair? Two key points.
2: Uh, One would be for the young players. I mean, that was one of the things that they made clear uh, or were trying to make clear uh, throughout these talks was that they they were fighting for the young players. Uh, the average major league career is three years Hmm. and you have to play for six just to become a free agent right so the system is rigged against you to start with so if the average career is if the average major league career is three years uh, you get three years to 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 make your decent money Right. Any kind because you don't make it in the minor leagues that's for sure
0: oh that's yeah you're right
2: so yeah. you, you have you have basically three years of earning power at yeah, least that's I, except for I, the big stars
1: right right i have a question on that uh just so when somebody is say a, a no-name player just you your working class grunt player makes it in the big leagues uh my, so when i was studying up for this they were earn a minimum of about five hundred thousand a year, correct? And that's right. been moved up to about seven hundred thousand. So they got three years. Okay, I just want I, I want to clarify that. For the audience. And I think that's one reason why the players have to be delicate about this, because of what you're saying, John, the the, uh, the average salary is what, 30000 uh, for the average person. One comment I want to make to both of you guys is a PR guy. There's no way anybody would have told the players strike before the playoffs because the, the fans would have looked at the players as being it, it, that's. It's kind of like that. That's kind of slicing your own throat. So, so uh, there, there's from no P- way that, that yeah.
0: From a PR perspective, William, I agree with you. It would have been disaster from a PR. But I'm talking about securing a CBA, and memories are notoriously short uh, in the public. Uh, no, they're so. not.
1: It took years for a lot of fans to come back after the '90 strike. What was it, '94 or '93? Right around that. '94. Yeah, ninety-four. Yeah, no, 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 no. That—that's my point. Is it, it, it? They're fighting for the cap, so the players are in a tough position because of the numbers we're talking—the billionaires versus millionaires. So they have to do this a certain way to be able to get what they want and keep the fans. And you keep the fans uh, on your side. Uh, the every day there's less baseball the more the people are going to hate the owners because they feel with well, the owners at the purse strings they're already billionaires right so the players have to play that but when you take the game away and it's be, uh, right before the playoffs and it's
0: because of the players oh that's like <sighs> your own throat right obviously william you wouldn't have been uh, welcome in jimmy hoffa circles <laughs> I'd be I'd be
1: buried alongside him and,
0: and, and I have my dream of finally playing on the football field, huh? The
1: giant stadium. I'm sorry, Tim. Go
0: ahead. So I was okay. Say, so so Tim, uh in your mind, you went over, you kind of I from what I'm hearing, you kind of not kind of, you pretty much think the owners came out ahead on this. Can you break down what the where the big victory was for the owners? Did the players get anything from what you could tell? Uh, They they
2: get some things. I mean, they did raise the, uh, I was looking for the exact numbers. Uh, um, I mean, they did raise the the competitive balance tax from 230. It'll be 230 million in 2022 and reach 244 million by 2026. That is a victory for the owners. And the reason is, um, It does not keep pace with the growth of revenue in the game.
0: So so before you go any further, explain that. What's a, a competitive tax? And wh- like someone will say, well, is that like a cap number? What is that? Is that? Wh- it basically
2: how- functions. It, it effectively functions as a salary cap because teams that go over that amount pay a penalty. Gotcha. uh They pay a tax. So it's like gets, the... So it's distributed like the- to the other 29 teams. Gotcha. Okay. So it's
0: like the luxury tax in the NBA.
2: It's similar. It's right. similar to that. Yeah. Um, but in
1: essence, a team does not want to surpass that uh, in terms of for 10 zillion reasons, both ethical and unethical. Right. You know?
2: and, well, right. And the sad part is that there are only a handful of teams that even approach the tax. Wow. There are 14, 14 of the 30 teams actually spend less than they take in in just television revenue every year.
0: Right, right.
2: That's without ever selling a ticket.
0: So now on that point, Tim, the other end of the spectrum is the players were asking for some sort of minimum spend to be in place for two reasons. One, to make, to make sure that every team – pays players a little more almost you know uh, being forced to open up their pockets uh, yeah. to dig into their pockets but then the other reason would be to sort of prevent tanking by getting rid of superstar players and bringing in nothing but rookies and 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 prospects you know something like well, who is it that does that all the time the, the rays and and the marlins right the, Ra- the, the, the rays and the and the orioles and the orioles are famous for that um what did you feel about Pirates. that what did you feel about that
2: um well actually it's funny the the idea of a floor was something that um ranford brought up rob manford brought up a floor he wanted a um i think it was a 100 million dollar floor he offered but only if they lowered the ceiling also <laughs> So, you know, you wanted to to squeeze it. And again, it it would have functioned more as a salary cap than anything else. I think a floor is a great idea, or I think at least teams, teams should make a commitment to spend at least a certain amount uh, every year. Uh, It's ridiculous that teams, you know, there are so many teams that have payrolls now down in the 50 and 60 million dollar range. You know, they make over a hundred billion dollars a year just in television revenue. Right,
1: right, right. And, and guys, as a PR guy or a former PR guy, not officially, I just want to. And some of the entrepreneurial things uh, I was PR guy. That's one of the aspects that the the union should have pushed. Look at these billionaires; they don't even want to spend. Because I got to be honest, uh, this is the first time I've actually delved into the, the 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 weeds, you know, of this deal. And my thought process is. Oh my God, it's a, in my mind, it was always so small market team. They just can't compete with the Yankees. But then I'm reading about the Orioles and I'm like, they're not even trying to compete. And nope. as a fan, I find that offensive, especially considering what they charge me for a damn ticket in the hot dog. And yeah. they're not feeding a competitive team.
2: And they're going to make it even worse now by expanding the playoffs. Right. Now we're going to have 12 teams in the playoffs. Right. So now teams are even more disincentivized to spend money. I, why should I spend money on payroll? I, I I probably am going to make the playoffs just by going, you know, five hundred playing five hundred ball.
1: Players with lesser players and the lesser payroll, they, they have a better shot now at making the playoffs, so they don't have to spend. In football, we had the Cincinnati Bengals who yeah. did that for years. Yeah, yeah but that's one team. It's <laughs> baseball. It's like a, a whole bunch of teams. It seems like, but
0: but you know what's interesting? So Tim, I'll throw this in because as William always likes to point out. I'm the libertarian on the show. (laughs) Um,
2: (laughs) I identify as libertarian as well, John.
0: Oh, God bless you, Tim. God bless you, libertarians. There's a
2: reason reason why we've always gotten along.
0: Exactly. But here's what I'm thinking, Tim um, and William. The reason teams chintz out or some teams chintz out is because the fans keep coming back. Right, if you view it as a business, they're there to make money. The Bengals were there to make money. The Orioles look, if the Orioles can still get that TV revenue, Tim said it's 100 million, their payroll is like 42 million. I read, yeah, so right off the bat, without a single fan ever buying a ticket, yeah, their ROI is over 100 percent. But I think they're being uh, short-sighted
1: and maybe Timmy have more insight because it may have changed, but for a while, for a while the demographics were were they were aging out, they were dying. The blue hairs were the demographic and the ratings were slowly dropping. But then uh, a few, maybe five years ago, it started to reverse. But even then I still think it's short-sighted because we're becoming a fragmented society. And right now the, the, all these, all these streaming services are going to pay monster numbers to make that impact but eventually after we're gone in 15 20 years they're going to revert back to it's a slow sport compared to the newer sports to football etc right. so
2: absolutely you know to, back in 94 uh we didn't have streaming services in fact we barely had the internet right right, right. so <laughs> um so of course fans came back you know it was a major source of entertainment nowadays they've got Dozens and dozens of choices that they didn't have back then. Uh, And that's why it has nothing to do with aging out or it really doesn't. I don't think, I don't think age has anything to do with it. It's a timeless game in that way, but everybody has more choices, many more entertainment choices now than they had back then. Mm -hmm. Why would I pay, you know, ridiculous price to go sit in a ballpark For three and a half or four hours to watch a ball game when for, you know, pennies on the dollar, I can go somewhere else and be entertained uh, just as nicely.
1: Right. And on top of that, when I go to a football game, if it's a blowout, I'm out of there. You know, when you got 70,000 people in a stadium. But for baseball, whether it's a blowout or not, by the seventh inning, I'm like, eh, should I sit there and stick around or not? And then with 182 or 160 some odd games, it kind of makes a decision. So I completely agree with you, Tim. Our choices and, and, and our attention span for that matter are completely changing.
0: Yep. And, and, and that's absolutely true. And it's interesting to me, like, I'll be honest with you. My love of baseball uh, diminished greatly uh, after the, the the strike, not in '94, but what was it 87 Tim? 87 yeah. 87. I st- like I used to have season tickets to the Mets. Uh, I gave them up in protest. I said, okay, and to be honest with you, I haven't set foot in a baseball at a baseball game since then. Yep. Uh, I've, I'm almost entirely focused on uh, the NFL. Uh, and they lost me as a as a as a really ardent fan. I mean, I, I played baseball in high school. Uh, you know, it was it was a love of mine. Tom Seaver and Rusty Staub, my two favorite yeah. players growing up. And uh, you know, you couldn't keep me away from a Mets game when when I was younger. Even in college, I would cut school to go to go watch the Mets. Yeah. So I understand Williams' point of PR. You know, like to get the fans back. But at the same time. I'm sitting looking at an owner saying like whoever owns the Orioles I don't know the owner who the owners are of the Orioles but uh, the
2: Angelos Peter the Angelos.
0: Angelos Oh okay why in God's name would a businessman not a baseball fan a businessman saying I have a guaranteed doubling of my revenue of my, you know, I'm making a hundred percent of what I put into a business, which is fantastic. Any, any CEO will tell you hundred percent ROI is you dream of that, right? Right. Why would he give that up? If he mm-hmm. doesn't have to lift the finger, why would he give that up? Now I understand William's point that if enough teams behave that way, the game itself will wither and die. And that's a, that's a real danger. Yeah, so that's an is
1: economic it, issue you're talking john
0: and no mine. absolutely it's not it's a passion hit. issue that I'm, yep. I'm i'm framing it as an economic issue so to me that's that's something that's always going to be a battle because there are going to be owners unless you have a strong commissioner that is willing to stand up for not give lip service to but actually stand up for the integrity of the game uh, you're going to have this like why would they do it i, I there's no economic incentive to do it like in the nfl Right. Everything is shared. And, you know, they've worked out a system where if one team is is dragging its behind, they all suffer.
1: Well, here's one reason, John, and maybe Tim has the insight. The Oreos actually changed the landscape of the sports stadiums. They were the first one to go in and revitalize an area of Baltimore that, 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 that was decrepit. That was, uh, it was like Batman and his parents walking in the alleyway. You're going to get mugged. So then, so people, so the one reason fans came because it became an all day event, do the shopping, hit a bar afterwards. Uh, so, so in the Orioles mind, the fans were going to come back regardless. So why spend money? Now I'm not, I'm not saying I'm right, but based off the baseball owners and their system, It didn't behoove them to uh, 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 put much. Plus, Cal Ripken at the time was drawing people alone. People were saying, hey, this guy's getting old. Uh, I want to go see a superstar with the Padres. Uh, it was different because uh, I don't know if Tony Gwynn was playing, but Tony Gwynn would drive people to the to the stands. The well, we got to see Tony Gwynn, Gwynn, one of the greatest hitters. So maybe baseball. I'm speculating. And Tim, this is your sport. There, maybe you have insight. But as somebody who deals with e- economics at times, I kind of see that in a way.
2: Yeah, I, I, the for the owners, it's no longer about it's no longer about the game anymore. It's about the investment. I mean, if you think about uh, the the history of the game, I don't want to. Go too long here, but traditionally these teams were owned by families that passed them down, right? That passed them down to the to the next in the line. Now they're owned by corporations. I mean, there's still some families involved, but they're in it for the investment now. They're not in it for the game. They're not in it for the fans. They couldn't care less about the fans.
0: But Tim, to be fair, what is the legal fiduciary duty of a corporation?
2: Well, true. Money. Make money Maximize
0: for, shareholders. Profit for shareholders. That's their one legal obligation. So, yep. so well, I get for it. For the
1: families, it was that, but whenever, no, if it's, whenever if it's, the it's, owner would die, right. uh, these, these taxes, and that's why most families would have to sell their teams. The, I mean, they wanted to the win, but they would also pay top dollar, but you right. also got to remember once the seventies hit, the dollar has changed the value and how much they pay. It's a, a good analogy for the baseball fan is Las Vegas. Back in the early '90s, before it fully went corporate, y'all remember it because y'all are old enough. For $9.99, you get steak, lobster, eggs, a whole meal. Now that $9.99 doesn't even get you a, a one-hour pass into the parking lot because of corporations. So, yeah. so you're right. It's it, it's their job is to make a profit but they're also destroying various aspects of America in terms of uh, apple pie and all that because they're making things unaffordable. You go to a lot of games. I have not gone to a game. Uh, what John was saying about 87, baseball lost me in 94. I have gone to plenty of games since then, but I've never gone for myself. It's because somebody's giving me a ticket or friends right. in town. There's an event with a group. I have never gone. I'm going to go to this game because I want to. Same
2: same here. I love the game. I write about the game on a regular basis, and I have for sh- over twenty years now. I can't remember the last time I went to a ball game. Mm.
1: So, so, but let me, let me, one, me, one question. Uh, yep. uh, uh, What is this international, if you can explain to the fans, because we get a lot of import players as a Latino. I love major league baseball because they help a lot of Latinos get out of poverty uh, because those contracts are guaranteed versus other sports. But uh, uh, what is the international draft and where does that stand in terms of this uh, uh, new deal?
2: Well, right now there is no international draft, right? Players, uh, teams can sign. They have a, a signing period where they can sign these international players uh during this particular period of time and there's a um there's a pool of money i mean it's actually i don't know enough about it to really be an expert but there's a pool of money upon which they have to draw uh in order to sign these players and they can't go over the pool amount Um, the problem with the international the whole international system is that it's rife with corruption Okay. You know, you've got you've got teams that are going in and courting players at the age of twelve, mm-hmm. signing them at the age of sixteen, uh, and and doing so for peanuts and once again bringing them for peanuts to the United States, uh, where they don't know the language and they don't know the culture and they they're thrust into an unfamiliar situation and, and they're a all lot poor,
0: of right, Tim? In what, in, in every oh, yeah, case, yeah, they're, they're they're dirt poor, so. Even, even what we consider peanuts to them is like they might as well be kings at that point like when you look at some of these poor kids from the dominican republic or from mexico perhaps or not the, maybe not the japanese players they import but um well japanese Madden is a whole American different players. story Yeah, it's a different story but i'm talking specifically about like the latinos especially right yeah uh, from yeah. the islands and everything so in the islands in venezuela oh uh, yeah animal.
1: yeah there's a couple of panamanian players there and, and tim that's one thing uh, i'm very political and and one thing i get aggravated at america i was like y'all talk poor y'all don't know poor go no. to a third world country so uh that's something i get very harsh about because i'm like there's no struggle here when you compare it to the rest of the world i mean By there fact, is a struggle fun fact,
0: our poverty line in most of the world is considered that country's top five percent
2: that's scary uh,
0: Right. Yeah, our, our, what we consider our poverty line, which is what, 17, 18,000 a year in most of the world is considered a top five percenter, you know, and I'm not talking about developed countries like in Europe, but I'm talking if you oh. go to these poor islands to to um, say some places and not everywhere, of course, South America uh, in the African continent and places like that,
1: yeah. our
0: poverty line is wealthy. In those countries so imagine you're a poor kid living meal to meal basically uh your parents probably work in a factory if they work at all and here comes mr american wearing a big straw hat chomping on a cigar and because you could steal second fairly easily um and it's not just that
1: it's what america represents sure. so they welcome the red carpet out well, i mean when i go back to visit they they no longer see me as a panamanian my relatives they're all protective of me cuz i'm now the yankee in panama
0: do they and call I, you I a mean, gringo
1: no no they do make fun of my accent they're like they're like shut up <laughs> okay, we're, they're going to recognize you are a yankee here. they're going to try to mug us you
0: know? yeah. all right tim let's um i want to move on a little bit uh uh so Given that the strike, but let's put it this way. Has it been officially accepted by the players union? Um, I
2: know. No, I don't think the players have ratified yet. The owners have ratified.
0: Right. And I think there, I think uh, the player representatives and the subcommittee, which is a total of 38 guys, Um, I think they approved it or they recommended it to be ratified by the membership. So I
2: believe so. Yes. So
0: technically it hasn't been accepted yet, but let's, for the purposes of discussion, assume it has been, they're talking about uh, the first week of April of being opening day. Um, The missed games, which I think were the first two series of the season, they're saying those are not canceled. They're going to be made up. Uh, I, I haven't heard if they're going to, have you heard, are they going to expand the season or are they just planning on fewer off days or more double headers or something to make up the games?
2: Uh, I, I believe it's going to end up being double headers. It was only, um, there was only a few series.
0: It was two so series. It yeah. So maybe six games so far were, were postponed as it turns out. Yeah. Um, well,
2: it'll end up, it'll end up being more than that because of the time that's transpired since. Uh, so they'll have more to make up than just two series but it won't be more than say four series
0: okay do you think that the players um just functionally have enough time to get into shape i mean they've had no spring training right and if the april timeline holds true that's like three weeks away right so is that enough time do you think no No.
2: i think we've already seen that
0: yeah yeah Are players I mean, risking even, injury?
2: Even even in, in 2020, right? When they yeah. knew they were going to play at some point, right? They, they knew they were going to play. They could have been out there working out. Uh, and we still ended up not only with a, a boatload of injuries in 2020, a 60-game season, but the following year. I mean, last year was a nightmare.
0: Oh, especially um, for pitchers, right? I yeah. Mean, if
2: was... you played fantasy baseball last year, it was a nightmare. Uh, just just to, to fill your lineup out. Uh, it was tough. It was really tough. And we're going
0: to have it again this year. You broached the subject, so I'm going to bring it up. Fantasy baseball, all right? Okay. We're, we're, some of our uh, viewers and listeners are going to be interested in that. Who are Tim McCullough's, say, top players to keep an eye on uh, for the upcoming season?
2: Top players to keep an eye on. Okay. Well, it, there's too many to list. But Kyle Tucker would be one right off the bat uh, outfielder for the Houston Astros had a big breakout year last year, but I think he's got another gear. Um, I mean, he put up some, some huge numbers. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I can do that though. If you like, Um, he had a huge season last year. um, And uh, I I think we're going to see him take another step forward. Um, Kyle Tucker is one. Another one would be, Oh, let's see. Matt Chapman. Hmm. Okay. Uh, first of all, I don't think he's going to end up in Oakland. I think he's going to end up being traded at some point. Um, but I really like Matt Chapman a great deal. I think he's going to have a big season. And teammate, Matt Olson. Hmm. Uh, he had a big breakout year last year. I he, think he he's got, got another gear. year. Yeah. I, yeah.
0: I, I made some DFS money off of, of Olson last year on occasion. So... Yeah, you think he's going to build on last season? I think
2: he's going to build on it. And actually, Chapman signed with New York. Didn't Chapman sign with New York?
1: Chapman, I just had him up. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, New York
2: Yankees. I think he signed with the Mets.
1: No, it says here in YY.
2: So, All right, he's gonna end oh, up I'm sorry, in New no, York. No,
1: no, 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 wrong champion. I, I, I did this with Arch uh, art schleitzer the other night. I said, it yeah, was he, dead. He, It was a different schleitzer.
0: He told us Arch schleitzer had died. So, oh, uh, so we had a <laughs> yeah, I mean, different
1: schleitzer. We had yeah. to
0: correct that, but um, uh, any anybody else? Well, they have
1: him listed with Oakland still,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah he's still, still listed Oakland, with Oakland,
2: but he's in yeah. New York now, All right? I think uh, yeah, he's gonna do great in New York, he's gonna do great in, in and, uh, city field
0: are there any rookies you've got your eye on? Um,
2: I gotta be, I gotta be honest with you. I'm not a rookie guy. I pass on rookies. I play in redraft leagues.
0: Okay. I have,
2: I'm in one dynasty league. Uh, and I guess the guy that I really like there is Wander Franco. Now he's not a rookie. Right, Right. Uh, but he had a huge, huge debut last year. Yes. And he's another guy. I really love to take another step forward. um, He's not, I don't. I don't think we're going to see him run a ton, um, just because the Rays don't really play that game. They don't. Right. They don't run a lot. So I don't think we're going to see Juan De Franco run much. But I mean, but he drove in. I'll be him.
1: honest, Tim. When I look at the young rookies, I don't want to say they're rookies, but I usually look for the call-ups towards the middle end of the season, you know, when, yeah. when, when, well, that's when the players true. are already tired, grinding, you get a fresh pair of legs. Uh, I remember I, I, I kicked some serious tail uh, grabbing, I want to say, Ian Kinzer when I had KFFL and, and I was playing competitively that yeah. one year when he was with, the, I want to say, the Blue Jays. But I always look at, at the youngsters at that point in time, because like you early on, I'm like, we don't know what we're going to get long-term.
2: Yeah, I do have a rookie for you though, Tristan Casas. Have you Hmm. heard of Tristan Casas?
0: First base.
2: He's a first baseman. He's currently playing uh, for the AAA Woo Sox Hmm. um, for the Red Sox. You know, he's in their uh, organization. Uh, He plays first base. Um, Last year, he surprised—really surprised—in in Double A. All of a sudden, he had a hit for power. He's always been a great spray hitter. One of these doubles kind of guys right, right, right. Uh, uh, last year, all of a sudden he was hitting for power like crazy uh, playing up in Portland uh, this year. He's starting off in, in Worcester at the Woo Sox. but keep in mind who uh, the Red Sox have at first base. Um, that's his name. Uh, oh, I'm drawing a blank now. Yeah, keep in mind. I have a brain. Um, hey,
1: Tim, which play, uh, a couple of players that you think that are going to be drafted high but are going to come back to earth. I don't want to say necessarily bust, but, you know, that people are are maybe overvaluing.
2: Oh, boy. Um, just about every closer in the game.
1: Oh, wow.
2: They're all being overvalued like crazy. Uh, Bobby Dalbeck. Is the uh, the Red Sox first baseman? He had great second half. He had a really good, well, he had a really good August. Let's put it that way, uh, and part of September. But aside from that, all he did was stink up the joint like crazy. And I think this guy Casas has a chance to displace him like that.
0: Go! Let me see if I could do this in my best uh, accent uh, from down. Hold on. Go, Sox! How's <laughs> Not Not that, Tim? Not bad. I know you're a transplanted New Yorker living up in Boston now or Boston area, right? Uh, yeah. So so did I suppress my law? Could I pass for uh, Go socks? Eh, not quite. Not quite? I'm not, not quite. You're, not, you're okay. not quite there, John. I'm not quite there yet. Okay. So Stick Tim, with you New York. <laughs> New York. Yorker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So, Tim, let me ask you this. Uh, we talked some lockout. We talked some of your uh, fantasy players. Let me Let's reminisce a little bit. Uh, Tell me about, tell me about your sports grumblings days, folks, listen, let me tell you something. When we were running sports grumblings back in the day, uh, Tim was my main man. He started out as a writer, but by the time we were done um, until he, uh, until he left for other uh, uh, opportunities, he basically was my editor in chief. Uh, He handled all the sports, even though he himself is a, is a diehard baseball fan. He was handling all four, uh, content for all four sports. One, one of the, I can't emphasize enough how much I, I, I love Tim as a, as a person. Um, but when we were grinding it out with sports grumblings, he, he was my main guy when it came to uh, content and, and staying on schedule while I was doing all the nutty stuff that the, the owner has to do. Tim, Tim was the dependable guy. And, uh, and, and, and aside from that, like I said, just a great guy overall. Tim, you're tell much us, too
2: kind, John. You're much uh, too kind. I'm
0: not being kind enough, sir. But give us some war stories, some original SG war stories. original uh, SG war stories for, for the rebirthing of the brand. You want to know something,
2: though? What? I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I remember most about Sports grumblings Okay, um when I when I joined you, John. I was in the fantasy sports business all of about 10 minutes. Um, I had been writing for a couple of sites. Uh, There was a guy back then named Dr. Stats who was kind of nuts, but he was a great guy. But, uh, you know, um, you were the guy that taught me the business. So, yeah, maybe I was handling the editing and maybe I was the reliable guy, but you taught me what I know you're the guy who taught me about the business itself and um, without what I learned from sports grumblings I definitely would not be where I am today so that's what I remember most about sports grumblings
0: thank you sir um, I appreciate it and, and and the love goes both ways here um and but absolutely um I I I was telling you um, William, I said, you know, Tim, you got to meet him. You'd fall in love with the guy. Uh, I, he's one of the good ones. And we've said that in this industry, William and I have talked about this on the podcast. This industry is notoriously cutthroat. And, it's, not, and it's notoriously um, uh, uh, every man for himself, right? Uh, yeah. And every woman for herself, right? Yeah. Uh, I know you have a wonderful story. I've related it so I'll let you tell it. Okay. Um, and if we have to uh, we'll clean it up but don't worry about it. <laughs> okay. I'll try to keep you on the straight and narrow legally but go ahead tell us your story that everyone I can, still I can
2: keep I can keep it clean. There you go. That's for sure. Um yeah, um you have to remind me though though what was the name of the guy who um was was doing the posting was was publishing the articles when i first joined you what uh, was his
0: was it tony finn
2: tony finn oh, right. okay another right. from the past. so right. this this starts with tony finn okay okay so we were talking about he and i were talking about you know what what should we put up on the site it was right at the beginning i don't know if it was i don't remember if it was the beginning of football season or the beginning of baseball season but it was you know we, we were coming up on a season um, and, <laughs> and, you know, he said to me, you know, we don't really have like, like a draft advice article. We don't have any kind of a draft advice article. I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll do a draft advice article. I said, but, you know, I said, you got to be careful with the draft advice articles because of a lot of the stuff that I read on the, on the internet. And of course there was a limited amount of stuff that back then. So a lot of the stuff is, is, is very similar. So you, you re- go from one site to the next and it's, you know, you're getting the same advice in different places. And I, and I said, and definitely if I write an article for you to, to post on sports grumblings, do not call it the draft day manifesto. <laughs> Do not do that. I specifically said that to Tony. So I go home and I, write, and I write and I write and I write and I write. And, and I have to be honest, you know, um, when I, one of the, when I first learned how to, um, play fantasy sports, um, a lot of what I learned, I learned on an, uh, an old site called the talented Mister Roto. Um, and so.
0: And for, of, our, our, for our fans out there, I'll just jump in here. Talented Mr. Roto was the launching pad for Matt Berry, Matthew Berry on the, yeah. the, the ESPN uh, fantasy guru at this point, right? Yeah, I don't think he still uses that moniker at all, but. No, but. know, yeah. Okay. <laughs> anyway,
2: so uh, the article that I wrote ended up, you know, it, it had. It definitely had elements of Talented Mr. Roto's Draft Day Manifesto. Um, And that was because it was the best advice I had read anywhere. Um, But as far as, you know, uh, reading it and then turning around and writing, that I didn't do. I worked off the top of my head. Um, Anyway, um, I sent the article in to Tony. And the next morning, I look on the site, and there it is, Draft Day Manifesto. <laughs> draft Day Manifesto, yeah. uh, which was the title of Matt Berry's article every right. year on Talented Mr. Rodo. Now, at this point, I think you should pick up the story.
0: Right. Because <laughs> it really
2: is you from here on.
0: Well, it was funny because, you know, back in the day, we're running sports grumblings. And for some reason, I don't know why. Uh, I was in Boston at the time. <laughs> so without knowing it, I was in your neck of the woods and I was in a meeting with someone and my cell phone starts ringing off the hook. And I'm like, I didn't recognize the number. So I ignored it. By the time I got to it in a break, I looked in the voicemails. There must've been a, sle- a couple of uh, voicemails from Matt Barry. And he's like, yeah, is this John? Uh, what's going on over there? You guys, what are you guys lifting my work? What's the matter with you? Blah, 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 you know, call me back before I get the lawyers involved, you know? I was like, wait, what's going on? You know, like I was totally lost, right? So I think I, I called him back and I said, hey, man, what's up? You know. Now, Barry, of course, at this point, I'm not going to say he'll deny this. I'm going to say he doesn't even remember any of this at this point because it was almost 20 years ago, right? Yeah. But so I talked to him and I said, what's up? He goes, listen, one of your writers, this Tim McCullough, he's ripping me off, man, like word for word plagiarism. I said, whoa, wait a second. <laughs> uh, Tim? That's not the Tim I know. What's going on, man? He goes, listen, when you go through that article and he read your article, by the way, and he objected to one word. I'm not exaggerating. Oh, wow. He said, I'm the only one who uses this word.
1: Manifesto.
0: No, it wasn't even manifesto. It was something in the article. He found one word that he claimed was, quote, his word and that the only way any other person on the planet would have thought to have used word that word in that context would have been by lifting it off of him so i said um, hey man uh, no offense but if you feel like bringing lawyers into this please do because this is nonsense i've never heard of anything like this like i don't unless that word was your name there's absolutely no grounds for this man and he's like all right all right you'll see you'll see and that was the last i heard from him needless what to was say the word? I don't even remember, but I'm telling you, it was so innocuous, you know, like it might have been the word innocuous for all I know, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, but he just claimed it was his. And I'm not saying this to um, to uh, disparage Matt, right? Because like he felt he was being ripped off. Of course he wasn't, but it was just funny to me the way this thing played out and, uh, and it didn't lead anywhere. And uh, Tim, the thing I have to tell you is I told William this. Uh, when I was, and I still am on the uh, board of directors of the fantasy sports writers association. Mm-hmm. And several years ago, I was on the committee that judged submissions for, for nominations for writer of the year, article of the year, you know, things like that. And there was one guy who submitted and I'm not kidding you. My article on consistency, word <laughs> for word. Oh, <laughs> Oh and the way you God. got those back in the day was i think i know it. who it was yeah i know who i you probably know who it is too but i'm not going to mention wow. his name but wow. so he submitted the article and i'm not exaggerating it was word for word lifted off the sports grumbling site so i sent something to the head of the board of directors and i said look i can't talk about every article i know this one's plagiarized I said, well he goes john how can you be so sure i go Because it's literally the same thing that's on my site. And I showed him the site with the prior publication date and everything. And he goes, how do you want to handle it? I go, well, obviously, I'm not going to award him anything. (laughs) You know, (laughs) know, That's my solution is I just I threw it in the circular file, you know, but in a world where this is what I mean about cutthroat, nobody gives credit to anybody for anything. Um, If there's an opportunity to plunge a knife in your back, it will most 99% of the time, it'll find its way there. I always told William, one of the reasons we got along is uh, you could tell William is a a man of his word. He's not going to go back on his word. He's not going to screw anyone over. I'd like to think the people that I hired with one exception, were all good, loyal people, not looking to to, uh, backstab each other. And I'm, I'm, I can't tell you how happy I was to have you on the team uh, and, and to be able to grow the business with you. Uh, one of the saddest days for me as a business owner was when you left for a better opportunity. And um, uh, I've never begrudged any of my writers the op- the chance to go t- to a better opportunity. Uh, but I have to tell you, I felt so bad for our readers and I felt bad that I had lost such a trusted um, uh, employee, but I'm also happy that it worked out for you. Uh, i'm also extremely happy to see you uh healthy and um because i know you had your issues and i know you struggled a bit and i i'm i can't tell you how happy i am to see you in such good shape uh, uh on the mend and on the road to health so tim thank you for joining us oh, uh please thank give you out for your, having me please give out your twitter handle so the folks can uh can follow you and 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 have access to your knowledge and and your musings on baseball all right
2: it's at tim's tens that's
0: t-i-m-s-t-e-n-z there you go i don't okay. even want to ask what the tens is for <laughs> was that to capture the urban crowd tim uh sort of i guess <laughs> well whatever you know i had an article i, I had a uh column that <laughs> there I you did, go
2: <laughs> tim's tens and i right. just i never got rid of the, the handle
0: no problem. Well, Tim, it was great having you on and we're going to have you on soon again, if you don't mind. If you, Absolutely. Anytime. Let's, let's come back to talk some baseball in the near future. Okay. Absolutely. I'll talk to you guys anytime. All right, Tim. It was great seeing you. Talk William. to you later. Pleasure Thank meeting you, you.
1: Pleasure to meet you. We'll
0: talk again. I'll tell all you right. all my story next time.
2: Okay. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: All right. Bye-bye now. See ya. All right. So that was, uh, that was uh, Tim McCullough. Great guy, William. Great guy um and Sounds as you can tell yeah very down to earth very knowledgeable and uh, one of my favorite uh persons on the planet but having talked about baseball you know we got to move on to the next big thing uh breaking news today there was yet another trade William I can't remember such so many big trades uh, right before the start of the NFL uh, official start of the NFL season um but today we had a trade uh between the Bears And the Los Angeles Chargers, dare I say, your Chargers, William.
1: Former uh, Chargers. They're in L.A. now. (laughs) Former San Diego. And I'll be honest. I, I I I'm a bad person because I'm like I want them to lose every week now. <laughs>
0: oh, there you go. You're you're like a you're like a jilted girlfriend at this point.
1: Exactly, exactly. You know? it, it kind of pains me at how good they are right now, at least on paper. Because you're the right. thing with the Chargers is that we can always count on at least when they were in San Diego, no matter how good they looked on paper, come the end of the season, it was a losing record or a very disappointing record.
0: Yeah. And the, uh, the the last couple of seasons, they were especially known for losing the tight games, like less oh, than a touchdown. You know,
1: you and I were talking. Yeah. When when the Raiders were playing the Chargers, and we assumed I can't remember <laughs> who who did we assume? I think it was the Chargers. That were were they was it the Chargers that were winning, and we just assumed they were going to win the game.
0: We assumed they were going to win, or we assumed it would be a tie, in which case both of them would have made the playoffs. But that was
1: uh, after the Raiders came back. After, <laughs> after they, the Raiders came we back stunned. to force
0: overtime, it was unbelievable. But here's something that may help that situation, William. The Chargers traded for uh, really one of the better defensive players when he was healthy, Khalil Mack, going from the Bears to the Chargers for what, let's get your opinion on this one, a second round pick this year and a sixth round pick next year. So William, what do you make of this trade?
1: Well, first of all, I think when Khalil Mack is healthy, he is then the the predominant edge rusher. Maybe that's uh,
0: amazing. Yes, amazing player.
1: At least he was when he was traded from the Raiders to the Bears, and he hasn't lost much of a step. And he had that foot injury, I believe, yep. uh, last November. And that that's one reason why they traded him, and why I think they accepted the second and sixth round pick, uh, because they don't have in, they don't have a first round pick. Now they have two second round picks, and they can maybe parlay that into grabbing somebody. to towards the end of the the first round. But I kind of can't argue, but I would have considered, because we don't know the situation. We don't know the mental uh, framework of of Cleo Mack right now or the team. We don't understand the inner workings. But I wonder how much they deeply talked about holding on to him and waiting until before the trade deadline to trade him for uh, future picks, maybe even a first rounder uh, to a contender. You know, because he is the premier edge rusher. He's the thing about Khalil Mack. He's like we always talk about Aaron Donald, but Khalil Mack is the exact same thing. He's a, he's one of the the few defensive players that is a difference maker. And what makes him more unique than say a Deion Sanders, who was one of the last shutdown corners. Now Deion right. could tackle to save his life, but nobody could really throw on him. Uh, so, uh, and the game has changed since then. So that's right. why I think Deion Sanders was one of the last ones. But what makes somebody like Khalil Mack and even, you know, Aaron Donald much more dominant than, than they say Deion Sanders is the fact Deion could shut down one side of the field. The problem with uh, Khalil Mack, he can come from anywhere on that line. So you're that's constantly true. having to shift from him. So I guess from the Bears' perspective, what they kind of like about this situation is uh, – uh, and I want to go to my notes here cuz there's a bunch of numbers here the bears are free and clear after 2022 with the salary right. cap yeah. with him with mac gone they're projected to have 120 million in salary cap in uh, space in 2023 and they 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 gain 6.15 million in cap space this season 28 and a half million in cap space in 2023 and 26.25 in 2024 that would have been the last year of Mac's contract however the downside is they have to eat 24 million in dead cap this year. But, and I'll pass it on to you. Why does it even matter if they're going to eat it this year?
0: Right, exactly. So <clears throat> the point is that uh, it sounds like the Chargers got Mac cheap. It sounds that way. Well, they did. They did, but well, it's a win win still. Right. But here's, here's what's interesting is to your point, uh, I know you threw out all those numbers, which were all correct, by the way. Um, but here's just to sum it up: that was almost 85 million bucks that Khalil Mack was due. So that burden for a team that's rebuilding that's too much of a burden. Right. So right. and and they've announced they're rebuilding. You know they, that's all there is to it. You know, very so, smart
1: thing to announce.
0: Absolutely. So they got Justin Fields. They paid up for Justin Fields last season. They got a new coaching staff in there, uh, somebody who hopefully knows how to run an offense. Uh, so, so they needed to re- get back some of that draft capital, but also, to your point, a hundred projected to have a hundred twenty million over the cap next season, uh, and that includes the current contracts of like Eddie Goldman, yeah, who and and other like there's other one or two contracts that they're going to get rid of probably. So that 120 million is more than likely to become 130, 140, probably, right? So they are just they're gonna wait, they're building up their cash reserves to get the key young difference-making free agents in 2023. At least that's the plan. So from that perspective, eating 24 million to free up over the course of three years, nearly 61 million bucks. Plus, you get back your second. The sixth is, you know, who cares? But the, the equivalent of the second. Hey, hey, got- hey, hey,
1: hold on, hold on, hold on. I do remember somebody
0: named Brady. I think that was a sixth round pick. Right. <laughs> good luck hitting on that again. But let's face it. The, the major draw there was that at least now you have two uh, picks in the second round. Those were at least something you could get some core. If you're a good drafter, you could get some core uh, around those players whether it's offensive linemen or starting to build. Um, like, I would assume they'll probably get some more offensive linemen to protect fields, right? The whatever. Agency,
1: they're they're going to play around. And like you said, it's going to be young. And for the fans who don't understand, why are you trading Khalil Mack? Because when I first saw the headline, I was like, what? But they are in a rebuilding year. But the key here is that Khalil Mack is, is I want to say 31? He's uh, 31. Yeah, he's 31. 31. So, so a rebuilding year takes – about three years before you're playoff competitive, if everything goes two,
0: right. Two, two. If you do everything right, it'll still take two years. At minimum, you
1: know? yeah, yeah. But, but, but statistically, <laughs> you're looking at, at a little bit longer, and the the chances of Khalil Mack still being the preeminent edge rusher uh, was not likely. So they no, figured, you're right. yeah. well, clear out the salary cap. Yep. We'll get a few rounds. If this was poker, their hand has immensely improved come draft yes. day. Yeah. So, so so, while on the surface, it looks like, yeah, that's all they got was the second and the sixth. On the surface, uh, into the weeds of the NFL, the salary cap, and what they're trying to do with the rebuild, it was actually a pretty good move they made. And for the Chargers, you know, he's going to be uh,
0: – he's a game-changer on defense if he comes back. He's going to be paired with Joey Bosa. That's the big thing, Right. Like now you've got someone remember last episode we said you need two guys that could get to the quarterback. I said that. Yeah. You need two in today's game because the rules are such that like after that Kansas city Buffalo game that we saw in the playoffs where there were like what three touchdowns in two minutes scored at the end of the game. Like you need someone when you need on the defense, you need two guys that could come from either edge that when the situation is a known passing down. You need those guys to get to the quarterback fast. You can't have a Patrick Mahomes. You can't have uh an Aaron Rodgers with any sort of time. You got to make them. Once well, Aaron Rodgers home.
1: just needs the playoffs to, to come back down. Yeah, see, <laughs> but, but, but you're right. If example. it was Aaron
0: Rodgers, I might let him do his thing anyway because yeah. he always chokes in the playoffs anyway. But, but the Rams. Yeah,
1: they got Von Miller. Right before the trade deadline. To go
0: with Aaron Donald. Exactly. And, and, so you had and, a
1: defensive line, despite the fact the refs gave them the Super Bowl, they got to the Super Bowl. Uh, he's going to say that again, Bowl folks.
0: Season. He's going to keep saying that. I will, never,
1: I will be on my deathbed, and if somebody brings that Super right. Bowl up, I'll say, rah, it's <laughs> <not rah." laughs>
0: But I will say one thing it, in it's one of these rare trades that I think both teams accomplished their goals. Well, yeah, to to go out with the
1: Chargers, the Chargers got, you know, obviously they only gave up a second and sixth round. Uh,
0: They're taking on money. Right, that. right, right. on well, money.
1: But they can get out of Mac's deal easily. He can be cut in 2023, and it'll save him – it'll save the team $16.9 right. million, or in 2024, and it'll save them $20.3 million. Right, and because – important, because right. that means Mac has to perform. Right. To, to finish out that, that contract, he's got to perform.
0: Yeah, and, and to your point, the reason they could get out of it cheaply is because the guaranteed money – is what's considered the dead cap money for the bears. Exactly. So the bears eat that money that they guaranteed, right? So uh, much like the deficit in Washington, when you keep kicking the can down the road, right? When that can goes up against the wall, you've got no choice. you got to deal with it now. And that's what why we have inflation now, right? So right. the same thing with the bears, right? With Khalil Mack, they said, okay, we're going to pay you a bunch of money. This is when they picked them up from the Raiders, right? we're going to pay you a bunch of money, but in order to make each individual year more manageable, we're going to guarantee your bonus over this thing. And we get to prorate it. Right. Right. But now that he's off the team, all everything they owed him gets squeezed into this season. That's why you have that 24.2 or so million dollar hit in dead money. But the good thing is now they're, they're done now. Like that's it. After this season, they're done. But to your point, they they're in essence tanking this season in order to uh to to rebuild. So to them it doesn't matter that they're Exactly. That and, cost this year.
1: And what's important about that is you rarely ever hear of a team admitting that they're in a rebuild mode. You know, and and at the end of the day, by stating they're in a rebuild mode, that six and eleven was it six and eleven they were last year? I want to say, doesn't matter if they go two and two two and fourteen, we're in a rebuild mode. Now on the flip side, the Chargers are on a team rising, and that's because they have one of the top young QBs in in Herbert. Yes, and and now they can score points quickly. You know Justin Herbert can put points on the board, but now they've got the the, the Bosa and Mac to shut down that office. So, for example, I don't think you would have seen a third. As much as it pains me to say this about the Chargers, who I now don't root for, I don't think. Let's say they had had they had Bosa and Mac in that situation, or hell, the Rams with <laughs> Donald and Miller, there's
0: no thirteen seconds. Yeah, in
1: that Buffalo Bills uh, uh, debacle. No, you're
0: right. You're right because. Um, look, the opportunity to pair two great quarterback killers on the same team is always something you're looking to do. So much like having a good wide receiver too, like you can't just have Devontae Adams, right? We were talking about that last That's episode. Right. you got to need a complementary guy. Same thing on defense. You could have a great edge rusher like Bosa, but we saw what happened last year, right? They get doubled. They get tripled. Same thing with Aaron Donald. You get doubled. You get tripled. You need someone to at least be exactly. someone to draw, so that you get the one-on-ones, right? So right. I think with Mac, if Mac comes back healthy, if he's healthy,
1: oh, and the foot has so many bones, you know. It, it, I mean, if it heals properly, he should be okay. But it's yeah. one of those injuries, you know. But
0: if he's healthy, the Chargers are a steal. Now they got a steal if yes, if yes. if he's healthy. But on yeah. the other hand, like we said, he's thirty-one. You know, his best years are behind him, statistically speaking. So we'll see how it works out. But it's an interesting trade. And I kind of liked it. Okay, William.
1: On the Packers. On the Packers. This is an actual. They remember Aaron Rodgers says he didn't want to be in rebuild mode. Correct. So they said, well, we're not going to be in rebuild mode. And they're going to give him $200 million. But they have salary cap issues right now.
0: Yes. Whereas the
1: bears have said, we're going to rebuild more. We're going to keep the salary cap right. in a year from now, they're going to be okay. The Packers, they're going to be, that salary cap's going to hurt them for the, they oh, have yeah. maybe one to two years yes. to win it all. Yeah. And even then it's not a complete team as per what you said. So on the flip side, they're going to, I think they're in salary cap hell already. And, and, yeah, and, they so are. let's see those details because remember Rogers tweeted that, uh, that that what was being reported wasn't yeah. exactly accurate. Yeah. Well, he did so, sign a contract.
0: Right. So we'll see what happens with that. But oh,
1: and um, one more note on the Bears. The reason they don't have a first round pick is because they traded up to get Justin Fields last year.
0: Yes, absolutely. They traded it to the Giants to get Fields. So um, so but so I think they're all in a good place right now. Now, before we go, I have one question to pose to you. when we started the Max segment, I said you felt like a jilted lover like a jilted girlfriend because the chargers left san diego so here's the question of the of the day uh william what's more dangerous a jilted latina girlfriend or a wild bobcat stuffed down your shorts which one's more dangerous william a Latina. I have two
1: Puerto Rican <laughs> relatives. One just got out of jail for whacking a guy, and the other one was, "Don't piss her off, boy. She'll slice
0: you." <laughs> I had. I went out a couple of times with uh, back in my college days with a Latina girlfriend, a, a Puerto Rican girl, and. I swear to you one time she threatened to cut me for just glancing (laughs) at another woman in a restaurant.
1: Yeah. Uh, For the Latinx people, calm down. (laughs) Take a deep breath. We're joking.
0: No, she threatened to cut me. I'm not joking. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
1: They're fire though.
0: (laughs) Okay. So that's the, uh, that's the podcast for this episode. I want to thank our guest Tim McCullough for coming on and, uh, He was great we're going to try to get him on again in future episodes to talk some baseball uh thanks again to uh my co-host william del pilar fantasy pioneer and all around good egg and i'm big john until next time peace america peace out fools